This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. All right, let me ask you something. How often do you use your ID? Maybe you recently showed it to buy a drink at a bar, to the bank teller as you cashed a check, or when traveling. Now, it's also a key document for some of our most basic needs. We need our IDs to apply for an apartment or to a job or even qualify for food stamps. But for some folks leaving jail or prison, having an ID isn't always a given. Actually, this is a major issue for many people being released. Now, there's a new program announced by Cook County Sheriff Tom Dart and Secretary of State Alexi Janulius aiming to help change that by offering state IDs free of charge. Now, it comes after advocates organizing for years for re-entry services, including more than just an ID. So we've got some of those organizers here with us today in studio. Mark Mitchell is the Associate Director of Team Teamwork Inglewood. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. Russell Jackson is here. He's the Deputy Director of Transforming Reentry Services. Hello, Russell. Hello. Thank you for having me. And rounding out our panel, Xavier Perez, a criminology professor at DePaul University, talking through how this connects to broader policies in the legal system. Good afternoon. Thank hey, you professor. for having me. All right. So, so that we're all on the same page, Mark, I'll start with you. Why do people being released not have IDs? That's a good question. Right. And normally I don't even say it's a good question, but that's a good question. I, I, I had to ask. Historically, they don't. For some reason, if they uh, release from IDOC or Cook County, they just come home and they let go. And they most of them don't have an ID, don't have a place to reside in. So it was taken away from them when they were brought in they and they just never returned? They or? might not have it from going when they went in. ID what, maybe it wasn't important to them at the time. You know, maybe surviving was maybe the word for the environment they were in. You know, ID wasn't carried. I know I didn't carry an ID when I was in that life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but the thing about it is, is to come out of the institution, you need to have that. You need to have an ID. You need to have a social security card. You need to have a birth certificate. Otherwise, it's hard to get you employed. It's hard to get housed. The things you just mentioned. Yeah, yeah, and we'll we'll talk much more mm-hmm. about that. Any thoughts there, Mark? I'm thinking of maybe even going in with an ID that expires by the time you. You right, get out and then having trouble sort too. of, yeah. you know, getting that back up and running. Does that right? Happen? That that happens also. But uh, just to be bluntly honest about it, a lot of time when you go into Cook County Jail and, and they take your property, a lot of time it just ends up in the garbage, and they can get out two, three days later and don't have an ID, or if they end up staying for a year, uh. Cook County allows 30 days for someone to come pick up your property. Mm -hmm. If no one picks that property up for you, then it's disposed of, and then you're without an ID. Yeah. And as people are released, Mark, talk about how critical having an ID is and the the types of barriers that they end up running into without one. Okay, so I operate a reentry organization. So we see hundreds of individuals a month. And they're all coming out looking for one thing. They're all coming out to put that plan that they had sitting in their cell. When I get out, I'm going to do this. When I get out, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to stay away from certain people. And if you can't reach the first thing, getting a job, which and you can't get a job with an ID. We can't send a person to a job without an ID. And most employers, I mean, I think the government doesn't even allow in some grants for them to even uh, to, to be in our programs without an ID. So you can't even join our program if you don't have an ID. So what I do and have done for years is send them to Russell. And Russell's organization is historically not only got them an ID, but it got them a Social Security card and a birth certificate. Transforming reentry services. Yes. Yeah. I want to bring you in here, Professor, because, I mean, this is a much larger problem, right? Talk about how it fits against this broader 
policy or broader policies keeping people in this cycle of incarceration? So I think that when we think about like a continuance of, of care is the way I, I like to think about it is there's these challenges that people experience when they're incarcerated and then upon release. And so when they're released without sort of any sort of direction in terms of employment opportunities, housing opportunities, some of the things that I mentioned up here, then I think the increases, uh, the chances um, to recidivate again increase. So I think that's an obstacle. I think other areas too is, um, I think about the cumulative effect of like growing up poor, growing up um, you know, in a working class community, uh, your minority status. I think about examples where you have um, upon like people applying for jobs, you think about all of the challenges that are presented. And the one that, that principally comes to my mind is like, you have whites that uh, have not committed a crime, right? So they're crime free. They're more likely to get, uh, and the majority of these studies are around males. So you have white males who have not committed a crime. And then they're, um, they're called upon for an interview, whereas, um, or actually it's white males who've committed a crime are more likely to be called for an interview than African-Americans who have not committed a crime. So when you think about that statistic. Oh, white uh, males who have, com- who have committed a crime are more likely to be called for a job interview after applying right. than a black male who hadn't committed a crime. Right, right. So yeah, that's, that's startling. So I think about like the compounding effect that you have, uh, you know, when you have limited housing, you have in- inadequate sort of uh, opportunities for employment, the lack of um, economic opportunities and, and and housing opportunities. I think it's just uh, I think about the broader issues that compound when uh, when people are released and then trying to reenter back into society. I'm also thinking about uh, a mental health component, right? You're leaving jail, immediately running into issues because you don't have a simple card. Talk about that, Russell. Um, so mental health is uh, is an issue. Uh, just being incarcerated itself is uh, trauma. So when people are uh, introduced to uh, being traumatized while they're incarcerated, uh, and if they not don't deal with the trauma, then that trauma can become a mental health issue uh, later on down the road. And, and a lot of times they go from door to door, uh, place to place. So, uh, so like Mark said, he sends people to me. Uh, by the time they get to me, they've been to five or six other agencies, and they really just pissed off right now. And sometimes they just need to vent. You see what I'm saying? Because they went from door to door, door to door. And, and if you don't help a person when they come to you, the odds are they rather won't come back. So you got to be prepared for any type of situation to to help them, even if it's just having someone to talk to, a mental health professional at the office to talk to. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I feel like, and I'm kind of guessing here, but I, I feel like. That would often go unchecked, untreated, undiagnosed. Absolutely. Of course. What do you I mean, think, Mark? We, we, you got to remember this, too. The average age of individuals coming out of the Illinois Department of Corrections is now 40 years old. The average age of a person coming out? Yes. Is 40 years it's old? 40 years old. And we have programs that were uh, 20th century programs that addressed individuals who were in their mid-20s. So an individual coming out at 40 is different than an individual coming out at 20. An individual comes out in his 20s, he may still have social bonds, families connect with, you know, people that still believe in him. An individual comes out at 40, he doesn't have all that anymore. All right, he doesn't, and you're putting him out of prison with $20 and no ID. And you're saying, well, negotiate a path that you have historically never been successful at negotiating. Most of the people I see, they're not, this is not their first time. 
80% of the people that come to my office, this is their second or third time being incarcerated. Mm. And we have, and we continuously put the onus on them to hey, figure this out on your own. Figure it out. From That's that cycle. Without, right, without an ID. So when they come to me, the first thing they're looking for, and, and believe it or not, most people don't understand. When, when you've been in there, you have a plan. In your head, you know, you've told whoever on the street that might believe in you, when I got out, I'm going to do something different this time. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do that. But you don't have an idea. You don't have transportation assistance. Some of you have lack of work history. Some no work history at 40 years old. So, so we, it becomes we, more difficult to carry out some of those promises you're making to yourself yeah, when you're inside. Yeah, so definitely. And, and so we have to be innovative. So when they say, now we're going to give you an ID. I said, couldn't it be a little more innovative than that? Yeah, t- talk to me about that. And I actually want to hear from all three of you on this, mm-hmm. how you feel about the new program being rolled out by the county. So mm-hmm. go ahead, Mark. I mean, you were on a roll there. I was, wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> so, no. So, I, I mean, it's, it's good that you're doing it, but this should have been done a long time ago. I mean, if you want a person to come out and stay out, you've got to be able to help them. You can't continue to say, hey, look. So we have a model that says that when a middle-aged returning resident is employed within 90 days of release, they have a higher work ethic or just as good a work ethic as the average person. However, this work ethic starts to dissipate if unemployment persists beyond that 90-day period. So if we haven't got you employed and going to work within 90 days, great. But most organizations are still focusing on things like job readiness. I want to teach you how to work with Microsoft Word, Excel, like you're not going to get an office position coming out of prison. We're going to try to get you because the people that I deal with say they make better decisions when they have something in their pocket, when they have an income. Mm-hmm. When they don't, well, they, you know, we have a national anthem, too. And I'm saying we because I am one of them. I'm an individual. You're formerly incarcerated? Yes. I have 13 felony convictions, but I have four post-incarceration degrees, the latter two being master's in criminal justice mm-hmm. and master's in political and justice studies. So I have a dual vision. Congratulations. I deal with this. Thank you for even having me here. I'm just to say this to you, okay? <laughs> yeah. So, so I have a different lens, a different perspective. We have to catch up. If we want to, you know, the individuals committing crimes now are the descendants of the individuals we've locked up. Hmm. Professor Perez, what do you think of, of the new program? I think I, I would uh, echo in the same sentiments that I, I think the a broader vision needs to be um, kind of implemented in which we have community organizations working inside of these institutions three months, six months out before they're released. And so then you have this continuance of care that then they are passed along to that community agency directly. I think that the the ID program should be one of those numerous plans that is implemented. So so I like the direction in that way, but I just still think that it's very short-sighted in addressing the broader issues of reentry. Um, and I would love to, if, if we kind of get that coordination in place, mm-hmm. to have these agencies work along the inside uh, institutions months, several months before the individuals are released. So then you see the continuous of care. Um, you get them sort of worked, impl- uh, in- implemented into the, into the agency and the agency just will be ready for them to be released. Russell? Okay, thank you. Um, interesting. So um, it's not new. It, 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 it's a good program. It, it's about time that Sheriff Dart and, and Secretary of State decided that they want to do something. Uh, I, I'll just 
sitting on the couch the other night, and, and I heard it, and I was kind of upset because I didn't hear anything. I said, anybody contacted me? Anybody? So 15 years ago, uh, Transformer Rental Services, uh, we went to the west side of Chicago with Reverend Crawford at Faith Incorporated, and they trained us on how to do identifications. And in doing those identifications, we had to do birth certificate. We had to do Social Security card. Uh, so for the last 15 years, Transformer Rental Services has been going all over the state with the Secretary of State, making sure people had identification at the Summit of Hopes, at all these different places. Uh, and, and what we found out that we had to adjust. Uh, person also need a birth certificate to get that ID. A person also need a Social Security card to get that ID. Uh, a lot of times a person had 10 Social Security cards and can't get another. So what do you do? So there's a, a lot of obstacles. There's a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of stuff involved. Uh, I remember uh, IDOC started a program, mm -hmm. uh, implemented a pilot program at certain institutions, and it didn't go over that well because most people who are incarcerated don't have that Social Security card, don't have that birth certificate or that proof of address where they're going to live at, so they, they just don't have it. Um, yeah. So what, what's going to happen is, and, and like I said, I think it's a good program. I, I think what's going to happen is they're going to run into the same issues that the state ran into, and the people's not going to be able to actually have an ID when they leave the county jail. So it might not work, you're saying? Um, there's things that they need to do. That it can work. It, it can work only to the point where if they involve the CBOs. There's CBOs? Community-based organizations. We are a community-based organization. If they involve the community-based organization in this program, then it can work. Uh, so there, there was a pilot program before this at state prisons. Uh, you sort of alluded to that there, Russell, right. uh, with 900 state IDs issued through uh, that so far this year, according to a spokesperson for the Illinois Secretary of State. Uh, for comparison, 20,000 people are released from Illinois prisons each year. And what do you think of that gap? It's those essential doc documents that, yeah. that they can't obtain while they're incarcerated. Uh, I was, I'm formerly incarcerated. When I was incarcerated, uh, I was able to send to Louisiana and get my birth certificate. I was able to get my Social Security card and have it on file. So when I left, they gave me that. So I was able to go to the Secretary of State and get that. A lot of people don't have that. A lot of people have been locked up 20, 30 years, and when they're coming home, uh, I was telling them last night, uh, a guy went in up on the alias name. So what do you do? They're going to get an ID in the alias name. You don't, he can't get a birth certificate in the alias name. He can't get yeah. a Social Security card. So it's one of those things where they're not going to actually get the ID. So they really need to focus on proof of address because IDs are mailed out to individuals, not given to them when they leave the county jail. Right, right. They, so, so where are they going to mail it to? That is a good question. I also want to make sure I note in this conversation that this is this is also being offered to people on electronic monitoring. So this is not just for people who are physically in jail. We deal with a lot of individuals. I think we're one of the only organizations in the city that is allowed to get movement for an individual because they have to get request movement. Yeah. So we can get a movement within hours. And a lot of times they'll call, you know, we can get them, get them a job in place within days. But we find out a lot of them don't have ID still. So that's great. We're not saying that this is a bad thing. I think what we're saying is that it's not worthy of celebrating. 
this little thing that you just start giving ideas, something you should have done 20 years ago. And if we get used to celebrating little things, how are we ever going to get to the big thing? And I'm hearing you say more is needed. More is more needed. Is needed. More. So, Professor, sum it up for us. I mean, beyond ideas, for the person who's listening to us and they still don't quite get it, right? What kind of support do people need after they get out of prison or jail? And, and I'm sure you can dig into the housing as well as the employment track of things. I think when people are released, they immediately have to deal with those, uh, like, those immediate needs about just surviving. I, I think um, an, an ID becomes instrumental in that because it helps you at least in a pathway to secure some sort of assistance from the government, for employment opportunities. But I think that's principally what individuals are concerned with. You mentioned about mental health. When individuals are released, they might or might not be um, some sort of medication that is likely to run out. So you have a myriad of, of obstacles that are in the way. And so I think it becomes important to think about this holistically, not just piecemeal that we do so in many ways. And, and I would advocate that, uh, as, as was mentioned earlier, that we have the community stakeholders and, and at the table as well mm-hmm. in trying to coordinate these services once individuals are released. We'll leave it there. We've been talking about a program to offer free state IDs to people on the way out of Cook County Jail. We've been speaking with Mark Mitchell, who's the Associate Director of Teamwork Inglewood, Russell Jackson, who's Deputy Director of Transforming Reentry Services, and Xavier Perez, a criminology professor at DePaul University. Thank you all so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.